0: Hello, welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I have Luke who is living in Salford and he's been sober 668 days. Um, Thank you so much, Luke, for coming on the show. As as you know, as I've told you actually, I'm really passionate about getting more male voices on this show. And so um, I'm super grateful to have you here with me today.
1: No, thank you. I, and I think it's it's really important, especially for like we said earlier, males is it, it's it's a it's a kind of gateway thing for everything. Like five years ago, mental health was a big thing and it's more males are speaking about it and there's still a lot of, you know, people who may be struggling with addiction, whether it be alcohol, drugs or, or anything else, who males feel like it's a bit of a burden still to still speak about it. So I don't know if, yeah. if anyone follows me on LinkedIn Instagram all my life's over there so I'm open about everything so yeah if it helps it helps me and it helps other people so yeah this is obviously why I wanted to do this today.
0: Oh that's fantastic um, and super appreciated and it definitely will help people I know that uh, I know that this podcast is helping loads of people and that feels like yeah that we're creating something special in the community. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who Luke is?
1: Yeah, why not? Um, so I'm Luke, um, 27. I currently live, um, in Manchester, um, around the Salford area. Um, and I'm from a little town called Whitchurch, which is kind of like North English Welsh border ish, um, middle of nowhere. But yeah, moved to Manchester about well, probably just under the, the week before the first COVID lockdown. So yeah, kind of been here ever since and don't really look like moving so that's kind of who I am in a little bit of a nutshell um just a normal guy really just independent keep myself to myself and yeah everything's probably changed in the last two years I'm guessing so yeah if I'd have spoke to you two years ago my story would be completely different to what it would be now so
0: oh I'm looking forward to getting into it um gosh moving just before lockdown one that must have been tricky that must have been hard. Well,
1: I didn't. We didn't know there was going to be a lockdown, did we? So, no. Um, you can't. You
0: can't get out and meet anyone, can you? And, and well, you know.
1: this is the thing. So I moved with. I I took a job in Salford Keys, and I said to myself, I want to move to the closest flat possible to get to the office. So I did, which was it. I think it got to about a seven-minute walk rather than an hour commute every day. So I did that. Moved with my ex-girlfriend at the time. Obviously, COVID hit, lockdown happened. We found out we didn't like each other very, very quickly. Um, and that ended. But it's amicable. She's a really nice girl. So, um, but yeah, lockdown happened. Um, and I kind of just got into that rut where, well, probably like most people, you couldn't really do anything else but drink. Um, mm. And I had my birthday through COVID. And th- this is the first kind of COVID. And it just started, yeah, it was just drink, drink, drink. And then obviously, when the pubs reopened, it was just like, Chaos. It was like England had never drank before. What's oh, alcohol? Really was. And now it's yeah. like, I don't know. And now if I, I I can be around people that drink and stuff, but now I couldn't even look at Ale and go, yeah, I really fancy that. Well, someday obviously I get an itch, but like I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um
0: Wow. Yeah. So if we let's jump right back to the start. Um, and I can imagine that being raised in a small town. Um that might have had an impact potentially on your, um, your where your relationship started with drinking. So yeah, let's talk about that.
1: Well, so relationship with drinking, um, my mum used to run a bar for like most part of my life, a, a rugby club. So a drinking culture around that was, I was kind of fed into it, um, being around rugby lads from the age of about, I don't know, 10, maybe younger till I was about 18, 19 it, yeah it's it's a drinking culture and that's it and I was brought up with that so I was probably started drinking probably when I was 12 13 but in a controlled environment not I wasn't sneaking behind my mum's back or anything like that and you see this now and again like oh my mum doesn't let me drink and whatever it was controlled and I, and I you know and it kind of stuck from there really um, and then just growing up as a teenager you know going on the park getting chased by the police bottles of vodka and sitting in the cold and wet when actually yeah that's kind of where it stopped but uh, I wasn't really serious on drinking or or anything that till probably um 17 18 19 was probably a massive eye-opener for me so I left which church which is yeah there's about four pubs that's about it but it's one of them places where you could go on there every Saturday you can go in the same place every Saturday of the year the same people will be stood in the same place talking about the same old shit doing yeah and it's just a small town mentality Mm -hmm. so I've moved to Preston when I was at college Uh, I moved out and went to a college in Preston boarded so I was exposed to a bit of city life and how different it was from being in a small town or going to a local city like Chester or something like Preston. Obviously, it's not the most glamorous city in the world, but it was different. There was a lot more population of people. There's a lot more goes on. The student nights, drinks were a lot cheaper, etc. Um, and I think then in my first or second year of college, it was we went out Monday night, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I'd get home and it would be on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, probably. Then I'd go back to college on Monday, start again. And yeah. from there, looking back, it become like that was a thing I'd get through college just to, right, we got training, then we can go out and go on the, mm. on the or And it's just a student mentality, and that's what you kind of get led into, I think, when you become a student. And I think drinking culture becomes like the norm there, whereas looking back now, if I went to college or uni now, I'd do it so differently because – I went to university probably on a bit of a, a whim, really, because I didn't really know what else was wanted to do. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so Preston, when I went, that's probably where I got introduced to drugs as well as alcohol. So party drugs, recreational drugs such as uh, coke, um, a lot of ecstasy because we were skint and it was cheap, mm. um, and kind of got more into the rave scene as such. Probably um, different events going from Manchester, London, Leeds, Newcastle, going all to different events from there because we were at a boarding college so we had a lot of friends elsewhere. So, um, for instance, we had friends that are based in Leeds so we'd go up to Leeds. Well, Leeds is a completely different environment to what Preston is. It's very big on the, the music scene and and the rave scene and that's where I ended up going to uni. But I think I took, started taking drugs probably, how old was I? Probably late 17, 18. Um, and then probably every weekend after, from 17 till 25 Um, and that's drinking and a lot of people say to me I really want to stop taking drugs or I really want to stop taking coke or or whatever and I just say you need to stop drinking first
0: definitely
1: because I've done it I've taken drugs sober but I know a lot of people will take drugs because they've had a few pints, especially, and I'm talking about lads here more than anything, because obviously I'm a lad and I can speak from that situation, but, and I've been in this environment, but lads will have a few pints. It'll be Friday night. It could even be Tuesday, Thursday night. And someone will mention drugs or anything. And that's when it starts. Yeah. And it comes, and I I listened to a podcast and I spoke to a guy at, um, NA and AA about this. And it was the same kind of subject. And he said that you might not think it's an addiction, But when you do something every weekend for just under 10 years, it is an addiction because that's what you're living to do. You go, right, I'm going to go and book. And this is when I was like 17, 18 at first. I'd book to go to a a rave, not because I really liked the music as such, because I wanted to get off my head, because I liked the freedom and it made me feel good. Mm. Um, And obviously the drinking come with that. So we'd start drinking, I don't know, early doors. We'd get... We wouldn't go out to the event until probably 11, but we were drinking, taking drugs. But the release you used to get from, and I, I, I say this all the time, like the first time you ever take ecstasy is the best time of your life. And, and that's why people do it. And that's why so many young people do it because that feeling you get, but you're never going to get that again because mm-hmm. you'll always be. And it, I, I wouldn't really see people, and I don't know, people may be addicted to ecstasy, but that feeling of coming up when it's in your system and, and obviously the alcohol and everything else and yeah it's just um you'll never get it again and obviously if it was legal everyone would do it and it'd be it'd be amazing but yeah obviously it has problems and and whatever they're doing with like mdma and stuff like that with with mental health and doses people are getting a bit screwed across the um oh if i take this or make me feel better but actually it's it's completely different environment yeah. that it's coming from um and yeah so 17, 18, 19, really exposed to going out every week for three years, four years straight. Um, and really, yeah, I don't know, just, I, I thought I was just being a student and I'd kind of grow out of it. Um, some of the people that I know are still in that and yeah. not growing out of it. And I feel a bit, not sorry for them, but there's more to life than just mm-hmm. going out drinking, doing whatever. Um,
0: it's and, uh, almost it's almost like relief as well though isn't it it's a sort of you feel relieved that you managed to step out of that because i don't know about you but did you feel a bit like when you were in that cycle of drinking and party drugs and like like you say it's just the same with girls actually as it is boys oh, yeah, have a few drinks it's like you get that itch because um, oh, yeah. you learn to associate you know say alcohol and cocaine on a night out like it's just it's just so accessible
1: um oh especially in Manchester like I could get drugs delivered to my house quicker than just eat probably yeah ridiculous but um no and I think that's where and probably just to go back to what I was saying about the drugs and stuff in the release I never thought and this was pre-2022 2020 before I had got diagnosed with bipolar and autism I didn't know why it was making me feel good but looking back Mm. and reading into things it was my release because sometimes in in busy environments I don't want to be I'm quite sensitive to light and sound Mm. but I used to I started to go to these raves because I used to like taking the drugs to make me feel good but Mm. actually they were making me feel good because it was like a, a coping mechanism yeah but like, like now, I went to a hacienda event last year, completely sober, because I really enjoyed the music, and I wrote about this on my blog. Where how people, and especially the lads, when it's in that environment, they get into drugs because they think it's cool when they're at university, and they and they go to these raves because it's acceptable to take drugs. Always, so you can kind of get away with it more than yeah. doing it I don't know, in a library, let's say. Well, you wouldn't really take drugs in a library, but wrong uh, analogy, but. Then they start, and this is how I started, and it become more right. I'll start taking drugs; it makes me feel good, and I've got an excuse to go to this event, whatever. I'll deal with the aftermath afterwards. But then last year I went to, and I've been to a hacienda event this year where I go because I enjoy the music, and I didn't really need to take drugs. But that was my entry level to that kind of place. Um, and a lot of people, if they like going to events or not, they. Obviously, drugs is a big thing in part when party drugs and stuff, but they don't. Yeah, it, there needs to be something and to go. Actually, you don't need to take drugs or you don't need to have, al- have alcohol to have a good time. Where yeah. I actually thought I would have, but like mm. the last two times I've been to an event, I've had the best time ever. I've gone home, to bed. And I woke up in the morning. I've been. I've just been tired. To be fair, I yeah. get like the Red Bull come down rather than the alcohol or <laughs> drugs. Or I go to bed at a decent an hour and not when the birds are tweeting it. Oh no.
0: Makes
1: me so, sure not thinking about that.
0: Yeah, um, honestly. Do you know what? It's easy to see as well why um, something like, let's just say cocaine, for example, obviously the drink is a big dopamine hit. Oh, absolutely. But, but the cocaine, I, li- I was listening to one of the Huberman Lab uh, podcasts the other week, and he was saying that cocaine is 10 times the strength of a dopamine. You know, it's the, the, do, sorry, the dopamine is 10 times you know, that of a normal kind of hit of doing Absolutely. something. And it's like, you can you can understand why that um, is so powerful, especially on young, impressionable people that are in a crowd and where keeping up with your peers is probably one of the most important things as a teenager.
1: Absolutely. And I think, obviously, people take coke. Because it makes you feel good that's it they don't take it because it makes you feel shit because they wouldn't take it and that's where obviously the addiction comes from or when it goes from more recreational abuse uh, abuse of it to every day or maybe in the week and then weekends and then you're becoming sustainable on it but like city cultures where you know you've got people from high-end jobs to Low end. When I went to the first AA and no, the first CA, probably I was shocked with the people in there.
0: What's what CA?
1: Cocaine Anonymous.
0: Oh right, okay, yeah. did yeah. in
1: Manchester. It was online, but uh, but I was shocked by the people in there because I think this is everyone's stereotype of a meeting is right. Okay, it's going to be the dregs of the earth or yeah. the people who you wouldn't you you stereotype them. But it was doctors, lawyers, nurses, teachers, and I'm like million-pound business owners. But yeah, they've got into that, and yeah, and I've since then I've never judged a book by its cover because when you see, you just do not know because they might look the most successful people in the world, but they might be addicts, let's say, or going through some really tough shit. But again, if you saw someone homeless who's Mm. going through the same shit, you wouldn't even hold it door for them. or people wouldn't hold it door for them. Um, and there's a yeah, massive misconception around that. It really annoys me. And living in Manchester's maybe notice that so much more because the homeless in Manchester is skyrocketed. Yeah, but no, totally. Um, it is um, a stereotype thing with culture and you get, it's in your, like your peers, I suppose. Um, and it becomes more, acceptable yeah. to do it because yeah. it's, well we've always done it and we don't like change but yeah it's, uh, it's a yeah.
0: no we yeah we kind of rebel a bit of change don't we um and that's a great point there that substances and addiction does not discriminate you know no. like you say it, it can be um and I think as well in a big city you know I, I read stories or I hear of people all the time that are in quite high powered jobs and uh you That's know have cocaine have a cocaine problem and an yeah. alcohol problem because See, like like yeah. you said earlier um n- nobody really wants to um sit you know go somewhere on a Friday sober and suddenly just start taking oh yeah uh, of drugs it's not it's not that common but no. a few drinks in you you know, your prefrontal cortex starts to shut down, which is the decision-making unit of your brain, because that's what alcohol does. It blunts that part of your brain. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, let's. this is a good idea. Let's go and do this yeah. thing and spend all this money and uh, wreck our bodies for the next 12 to 15 hours.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and that's it. Like, going back to it, if you want to stop taking drugs, stop drinking first. But yeah. obviously, if you want to stop drinking, it's yeah. quite difficult. And this is why we're here. Yeah. And the questions you sent me um yeah I I've I, to be fair I, I'm only 27 and that I like, from the questions you sent me I'm quite they're quite good because that's what I speak about the most yeah um like the first hundred days but yeah let's get into that That'll be yes
0: good. so we talked a bit about your um or well, we built a picture of what your alcohol use was like talk to me about the lead up to when you stopped what made you quit
1: um two things actually so i so this was obviously covid times 2020 um so throughout the covid lot we had this call of duty group because we didn't have anything else to do so we all got playstations call of duty that was it and we had a christmas party um because we were from all over the place but we all met together and had a christmas party a bit weird but that's what lads did in covid um and we were all out and about um and in the back of my mind, at first, I was like, "It's Christmas, whatever. We'll have a drink." Um, and then something just hit me. I was absolutely leathered. I, I can remember it. it was it was the times when you had to buy food with drinks at pubs. So that stupid rule. So we all had to—I like, don't know—have oh, like yes, a hot dog. Yes. But you could buy six beers. Um, so we all we all went out around that time. It was the fifth of December. It was a Saturday, and I remember. I was off my head. I had about like 13, 14 pints, gin, cocaine. Anyway, luckily I had to go back to Manchester from where I was going. So I got the train back, got McDonald's. My mouth was that dry. I couldn't even eat McDonald's. I was that gone. I was wired. I couldn't see what was going on, um, steaming. And then on the train back, I started getting this headache and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it was like, I said, right, I'm going to get home. I'm going to tip all the drugs away. I'm going to tip all the beer away. And that is it. I'm never touching it again. Wow. And this was like three in the morning. I was steaming still. So I woke up in the morning. I was like, whatever. And I think I put something in my notes on my phone or I wrote something on the side of my kitchen. Like I'm not drinking again. That is it. Done. And I obviously noticed the empty bottles and stuff and everything. There was like bottles of wine, gin, everything just all down the sink. Drugs, empty packets in the bin, the lot. Um, The next day I was like, yeah, I'm never doing it again. And I thought, yeah, I've said that before. Like, I think everyone's said that before. But I, I was I was in such a, not a bad place mentally, but I said, I can't keep doing this. It, it's really just, it's just ongoing. And it's become my main focus of life is drinking and going out and doing other stuff. And I said, I can't do this to myself anymore because, yeah, I've got bipolar and autism and the medication I'm on. Drinking and doing drugs it's just putting petrol on the fire yeah. and you're becoming a revolving kind of door of why or a vicious circle more likely why why am I feeling shit well mm-hmm. you shouldn't really take alcohol probably not even drugs when you're on mental health medication so that's probably one thing so I factored in that and then I thought I want to be happier and drinking doesn't well I have a big man. When I used to drink, I used to be a bit of a, a bit of a dickhead. Not a dickhead, but a good person to be around who likes to take the piss and have a good time. But I was like, well, why can't I do that when I'm sober? And it was really difficult at first. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember that was the day, I think it was the 5th or the 6th of December. I was like, 2020, that is it. Never doing it again. And all my mates were like, nah, you'll be all right. You've got Christmas next in a couple of weeks. So I am not drinking. So I just remember isolating myself for Christmas, stayed yeah. back home. Um, so it was me and my dog. I, like, this is how sad I was at Christmas Day. I was playing Call of Duty with some, like, people who were 12 hours in front of us because they haven't got Christmas anymore. They're on Boxing Day. So, I was playing Call of Duty where everyone was with their family, but I just remember it, that would, that was the best thing for me because it took my mind off drinking, having the itch to go, well, actually, the corner shop up the road's open Christmas Day or everything like that. But, Yeah, it's the most strong-minded I've ever been, because normally I'm a bit, what's the best way to describe? Um, Spontaneous about things, and I'll do things at a drop of a hat, but this, Mm -hmm. like, becoming sober has literally changed my life. Like, cannot believe it, so...
0: God, it's such a big story, that, Luke. I mean... Yeah, it just shows that you have obviously got a lot of inner strength that you recognised, because I think a lot of people that are trapped in that cycle of drinking and, yeah, I, I mean, I've got friends that, you know, drink a lot and I drank a lot and I just, I, I think there is sometimes that feeling of, oh, I really want to do something about it, I really want to do, you know, I really want to stop, but to actually just, take that action which sounds like once you've made your decision that was it you were just yeah, determined I, I am a
1: bit I, don't, I like proving people wrong yeah I like, doing. <laughs> and I like being right so yeah. that is and I thought well I can do it I say I'll try it for a month well I didn't I said that is it I literally knocked it on the head all of it I say, I'm never doing drink I'm never drinking I'm never doing drugs again I am living this kind of clean life and I didn't think i will be having this conversation with you now because but I thought right yeah done it first I don't know the first I think the first 90 days was the hardest but I think the first 90 days of anything you do whether it's starting your job give up chocolate drive a new car you're always going to find it difficult because it's a new environment and the first 90 days a lot of stuff went on a lot of apologizing a lot of like, literally, yeah, everything in that 90 days kind of built up to where I am today, and then I started doing the 12 steps after that. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of apologizing, just being honest with people, um, being honest with myself more than anything, really, and keeping myself. Um, what's the best way I'm trying to think of the word, keeping myself. Sorry, completely slipped my mind um, on top of everything um, and having a diary of everything and thinking right actually I can do this what are the reasons why I'm doing it, who am I doing it for, what am I going to do it for well actually and I thought I'm doing it for myself, fuck it fuck everybody else, yeah. I'll apologise to everything that I've maybe upset people or or everything else that I've done well actually I'm doing it for myself because I know I can't continue and if nobody wants to help me or support me. Well, I know they're not my friends. And since moving away from Manchester, moving into Manchester and becoming sober, my friendship circle has gone much smaller. Yeah. And by, I don't know, I speak, not a popular language, I used to know a lot of people, but now I choose who I spend my time with rather than Mm -hmm. being around people because we're going to this event or we're going out there. I'd just rather not be around them types of people.
0: Yeah. I think that's quite common, as well isn't it I think sometimes in some friendships you can quite quickly identify if they're just sort of boozy connections and then that's it pub
1: friends aren't they that's it yeah pub friends and don't get me wrong if I see them I'll speak to them and and whatever but yeah, now I wouldn't go out my way to go the only thing I'd be like I'll go for a beer that's it Yeah. don't get me wrong I still go to the pub most days when I'm walking the dog and just call in say hello get like a, a glass of coke or get the dog some water and I'll sit there and I can be around that but yeah I wouldn't message a mate now or someone I used to go out drinking with and go oh do you want to do do you want to go out for a beer or have you seen this going on I just wouldn't do it because yeah. it's wasting my time I think
0: yeah we well, you, you probably don't enjoy that activity no, like, no I
1: don't enjoy the environment anymore and I, I yeah. it just annoys me yeah <laughs> it, <it's laughs> really, yeah and I, I just don't like it but I used to be in that though and I'm thinking yeah
0: that's quite weird isn't it I think that that is sort of a a sort of strange feeling isn't it when you think back and you just you know how you suspend your time in those kind of venues or in those friendship circles um and how alien that feels after you've got a pretty significant chunk of sobriety under your belt you just think
1: yeah and I think for people people are always shocked or they're always like oh I can't actually believe that. Or, oh, I'm so, I'm so, like, you're doing really well, you're doing really well. And I'm like, I don't know if they're doing it to support me sometimes or just to patronise me, but yeah. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. But um, don't get me wrong, I, I've talked about it like it's been very, very breezy. It has not, like, there's been some times where it could have all gone wrong, um, especially in that night, first, first 100 days, I was stubborn with myself, but I've become, not addicted to chocolate, but... I love chocolate Darren. that's my I like chocolate yeah, anyway same. but
0: chocolate
1: <laughs> honestly I'd go for a bag of caramel nibbles three times a week instead of yeah. drinking yeah because yeah. it's I don't know what it is I just like chocolate but
0: yeah same
1: like, when you drink you don't really eat as much do you no or, so yeah.
0: it suppresses your appetite doesn't it and I think about that 4 in the morning <laughs> yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of links there in terms of the sugar content of alcohol as well and I think a lot of people fall into that Sugary trap at first, but I always felt like, well, look, I can, you know, sugar. It's not amazing for you, but it's not as damaging as alcohol is. Oh, all the yeah, exactly. I'm not <laughs> offending anyone, stuffing my face full of Dairy Milk. No. No. Um, so I always felt like I could just come back and sort that out later on, which I think several months in I did. I did but, try, but um, but I still have I still my, have problems with sugar now. But.
1: Yeah, that that's my thing uh, is sugar, like, and I need to get out of it, and but yeah, it's work in progress.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can't you can't do it all at once. It's all it's like I used to smoke as well, and it blows my mind that I smoked for twenty-five years. I can't believe that now. But I was vaping towards the end. And when I stopped drinking, I thought to myself, I can't stop vaping at, at the same time. Oh, this and never I, leaves my hand. It, yeah, oh. because I just I just I knew that I couldn't I couldn't try to do everything in one day, you know. And I did actually uh, manage to stop vaping um but and I found actually stopping vaping harder than stopping drinking because I was really Vaver. addicted to vape I just the nicotine and especially because with vaping you can just vape ev- literally every three minutes in your house
1: oh no yeah um, it's bad, it, uh, it's, but, well, it is I've just filled mine up so
0: yeah uh, no, I totally
1: get it but yeah. again I I only well, I say I smoke when I go out but if I have non-alcoholic beers I'll smoke because it's kind of the sake goes yeah. hand in hand I, I didn't really like vaping. And that's probably how I started smoking, was drinking. Mm, yeah. I used to hate smoking until I started yeah. drinking. I remember telling my mum, I remember coming back from beef, so I said, oh, do you want me to pick you some cigs up from the airport? She was like, yeah. So I bought loads back. She was like, you don't smoke. And she was so shocked because I used to hate the smell of it, everything. But then yeah. then I was like, Well, wow, yeah, first thing in the morning, straight after food, smoking. Yes. But
0: yeah yeah
1: complement each other don't they like especially oh, large they, cigarettes. Yeah. they
0: just go. Yeah. To, yeah and I think I um you know there's there was quite a lot of times that I was getting frustrated with my smoking and I really wanted to stop smoking um but every time I drank I smoked and so drinking would always break my my smoking you know or my no smoking intention so I always felt like the only way to stop smoking is to stop drinking because it's the same thing thing you're saying but yeah and you know I'm delighted now that I have managed to knock both on the head but so um Mm -hmm. what kind of things did you do obviously you had this very very steely determination and almost kind of competitiveness with yourself that you're gonna you're gonna do this thing which is amazing and has obviously transformed your life which is so brilliant but what else did you do did you did you read books did you listen to podcasts or anything what yeah
1: um at first I, i googled loads because i wanted to know and i went on reddit quite a bit actually which is an absolute I, I really like Reddit because there's a lot of real people on there, um, and they they'll talk unfiltered because they're hiding behind not their Facebook profile picture. Yeah. Let's say it can be a character, and I quite like it because and you can relate to so many people. So I was on Reddit quite a bit and looked about sobriety and how. I, I, what I really wanted to know at first was was this an addiction or not? And like I said earlier, I, it was. And people say to me, you weren't addicted, but then I, then I explained to them, like I said, if you do something every day or four times a week for the next 10 years, that is an addiction. Just because an addiction is not, you have to go stealing and robbing things for it. That was probably the thing. And that's what I looked into at first. And then I understood um, because I was a little bit, not in denial, but maybe it was a little bit of denial, actually, because it, it, it wasn't your stereotypical addicts, let's say. Um, and I think that yeah, that was probably the first thing I read upon. And then I read a lot. And then with books, not real, I'm not much of a, a book reader really. I'm more of a listener, um, mm-hmm. just because I can't sit there because I'm fidgeting. Yeah, I'd rather listen and walk and do it. I um, will, funnily enough, a lot of Russell Brand stuff.
0: Yeah, because
1: he puts it in the most simplest forms ever. Like, about the 12 steps, like, it makes it sound human and not computer-written. Yeah. Um, and that, like, listening to him and how eloquent he is and how he speaks, um, just really, yeah, I, like, sub- I, don't, I don't really follow a lot of famous people on socials because I know it's all lies and bollocks. But him, I don't know why, and I, I didn't really used to like him, but now I understand how he is because how he is. And he wasn't just addicted to alcohol and drugs. He was addicted to bloody, there's probably more things you can't be addicted to than what he was. Um, And he was a, I'll say, I'm not going to say an inspiration, but probably him and a guy, I don't know if you ever heard of this guy. He's called Michael Maisie. Um, Real good guy. I come across him when he was on SAS, Who Dares Wins. Um, And his life story in bits and pieces were very similar to mine, so I've been in contact with him over um, like Instagram, and we were meant to speak at the same stage at this festival a couple of years ago, but it got cancelled through COVID. Um, but he's one person who's been like, if you're looking at sponsors, an indirect sponsor, because like what he's done of his life is absolutely like incredible. Um, how he's turned his life around, what he does now. Um, yeah and how he got sober and everything else um massively like him and then a few like you come across clips more and so now not probably in 2020 but like tiktok and short form videos because there's people Mm. just popping up all over the place yeah just talking about their lives and and everything else and and more so now i see it a lot more um that again but yeah not reading but there's there's lots of material out there but you've yes. just got to find what relates to you the most yeah because I don't think I could go let's say loose women had a a sober podcast I probably couldn't listen to that because for one I'm not a, a woman and I would not really relate to it mm. um but if let's say somebody I don't know who is maybe famous or has is it the same age bracket as me or in the same thing as me and turn their lives around through sobriety or whatever I'd be more yeah. likely to listen to it so I think that's one for people listening or anything that's one thing find something that relates to you um, because it'll make you feel a little more ease and comfort and something that's probably not contradicting and people are telling you how it is not what you want to hear and how to do it a bit like yeah um I find that very easy a lot easier and then that was kind of it, really. And then I went started going to um, meetings and that, that was kind of, I dropped the the whole kind of stuff off and that's where the mask was gone and you could just be yourself for a couple of hours and, and whatever else, And but difficult. but
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to say, um, what was that like? How did that feel, doing that?
1: You know, like your first day at school when you don't know anybody and it's embarrassing... Well, yeah, it's like you're a year seven and the year 11s are only in and it's only you guys there at first, but um, the first ones I went to were around drugs, to be fair, Um, just because I could take drugs sober, so it didn't bother me, Um, it was more, I could take drugs more than alcohol kind of thing, but um, I went there and it just opened my eyes up so much and how nice people are and no matter what they're going through, but just a, I suppose it's a little platform for you to, it's like a free therapy session. Yeah. And you're listening to other people thinking, I've been in that position before, or I know someone has been in that position before. And it just, I, it, yeah, really just opened my mind up. And the people there, like, I've been out with like people for dinner, like going to the bar, all sorts. So and I don't really attach myself to meetings anymore because I feel like I don't need them anymore. Mm -hmm. So I did the 12 steps and through the meetings and that took probably 11 months, maybe I think I completed it in October last year, November. Um, And that was, that was difficult because at first I thought, Oh, this is all Christian and holy and God. And I'm not about that. And Mm -hmm. I say that until probably last Tuesday, but like I didn't believe in anything like that, but actually having—I couldn't remember the twelve steps off of my head—but when you get down to like, I think it's five, six, seven, eight, and it's like, God, this is quite Christian and God and, and uh, religious. But there is some, and I—I—I don't—I don't believe like this stuff, but I believe there's something there. Like now, I don't know what it is, but and then last Tuesday, I was having this conversation with the girl yesterday. And I went to church last Tuesday on the off count. Don't know why, I just I was walking past the goes because I was having a bit of a shit time. And I think if I have a shit time, I might end up drinking. So I went in there, spoke to some I uh, don't call them staff members. They they work for the church or volunteers. Hmm. Sat there for like two hours. Then on the Wednesday, everything just started going right for me.
0: Aww.
1: I don't I don't get what it is. yeah. But yeah um but the, the twelve steps, yeah, they're difficult and I sponsor a guy now as well who will ring me up whenever he's in a bit of trouble or just wants oh, to have a And I think, I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, because you want to help you You don't do it for your own self. Obviously you do it for yourself, but to see someone go through the same kind of struggles as what you've done and been yeah. be through, it's like I know what's going to make you go wrong yeah, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it because that's not get that's against the book. But if you need me, I'm here. And I get calls at three in the morning sometimes, and and whatever else. And it, it's so yeah, it's just it's just a nice nice little thing. And we just have a chat about stuff. And there's a few of us. We've got like a little um, sober WhatsApp group now. We all speak in when things are going a bit shit. Do you know what? It's gone radio silent for about eight months um, because no one really puts anything in it. Because but sometimes when people need a bit of advice. And there's people there from serious business owners to currently people unemployed like me. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. uh, I say unemployed, in between jobs. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit. I'm in a weird situation when people ask what I do. Well, actually, nothing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it, oh, it's just so. I don't know. Rewarding for yourself, but to see other people, very difficult.
0: Do you um, have you learnt how to be more vulnerable?
1: Do you think? Oh, massively! Yes.
0: Yeah,
1: I think, and I think this stems from my childhood, growing up in a rugby club, playing a lot of cricket, being around lads. Probably till university, I was a jack the lad. Nothing really bothered me till probably just after university. I start becoming more vulnerable, but now I'll openly speak to people in person or or wherever else about how I'm feeling or what's going through my mind or be a bit more empathetic to people Mm -hmm. because I understand uh, and I I actually really want to help rather than being nosy type thing maybe three or four years ago it was just to be a bit nosy to see what's going on in someone's life but now if someone's going through a hard time or something like I will yeah and and I'll share I mean, me being vulnerable helps me out because I know people can relate to it. Mm. I don't do things for LinkedIn's probably my biggest social platform at the moment. I don't really go off anything else. I try to stay off them. But a lot of people I write about my life, and I had the, the CFO from HSBC message me about it. No way. I, what a random thing. Yeah. But And that was about his son who had autism. And I thought, what a thing that is. And then there's people every day that will message me and go, I don't really comment on your stuff because it's against work policy, but I literally tell it how it is on there. And he he just opened my eyes up to things thing like me right on here, not only is it a journal and a blog for me, but actually it's helping other people, which mm. makes me feel better as well. So it's yeah. a bit selfish, but it, if people are reading it and going, I really relate to that, or they'll message me directly and go, I've been really going through that, reading that's really helped me. Well, I'm glad that it's helped you. What can you do now more? But but like going back to being a bit selfish where I think, actually, that that's this is why I do it. And I don't do it yeah. just to get likes and comments. I do it for a purpose to make people relate to things and understand things that aren't cor- in a well, in a corporate way, let's say. Yes. Where it's layman's terms and we say how it is, rather than all these big posh words and that I don't understand. So <laughs>
0: I, it surprises me because I obviously use LinkedIn for my career, my 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 day job, let's say. Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I didn't realise that you were putting this content on LinkedIn. I'm going to have to check oh, that yeah. out because I I've it's... talked
1: about drug abuse, alcohol abuse, how it relates to the workplace, um, all sorts, and then. Other stuff is mostly pictures of my dog at the moment while I'm off work, but um, yeah. everything else is, yeah, I, I, I'm very personal about things because I think going through that vulnerability patch and being honest with myself mm. will not hide anything. Yeah. People can not see through me, but people will know now if I'm struggling because I'll shut off a little bit. Like one of my best friends was like, You're not posting on LinkedIn as much anymore. Is everything all right? And I was like, Actually, no, it's not. But, and, and mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? But, I've kind of got that audience where people respect that what I'm going through and maybe what they know or, or if it helps them educate them or, or whatever else, um, yeah. then it can have a, a good impact rather than just writing corporate waffle and being <laughs> a bit different. And, yeah, and, that, and that's just me, really. Yeah, that, that's just me. I'm, I'm not a corporate person in the slightest. So um, if people can, if, if the CFO from HSBC can agree with it, or find things helpful, yeah. then so can Dan the salesman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So
0: well, it's obviously refreshing, and I think that's what draws people in. You're saying a bit like me, I suppose, on my feed. You know, you're saying oh, sorry. you're just saying what? it as as it is, um, and it's interesting that you said about uh, maybe you know it's a bit selfish of me to to say this stuff i actually i think that it's totally selfless and i think it's okay to yeah. um i think it's i think it's okay to let it heal you as well because i find that with my instagram you know i push a lot of stories out there and I don't even really know why I started doing it. I didn't have any grand plan, to be honest, <laughs> apart from I wanted to write a book. And I thought maybe if I grew my audience a little bit, people might yeah. be interested in buying my book. That was probably what my initial... But it's sort of evolved into this thing where I push out these stories and it helps all these people. But the byproduct that I wasn't expecting is that it's helping me. I find exactly. it so healing as well. So it's kind of... um yeah it, it, it it's it's like a loop in, yeah that.
1: no exactly right and like but I'll be my total self and I've been very vulnerable i, I my way of getting across my um feelings is to write and I'm not a i cre- well, I'm not your typical creative or your English literature person but I write how I speak mm-hmm. and I think that's what people like and if I can get it across that way yeah People will buy into me more, whether it be through work, which helps, because I'll be like, I've seen you on LinkedIn. Like, a guy noticed me. I was on a date probably six months ago, and I was with my dog as well. A bit weird, but, yeah. Um, and some guy <laughs> came to me said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to disturb you, but I've seen you on LinkedIn. I really like your stuff. Um,
0: wow. Like,
1: fuck's out about it. Like, I was, yeah. I was having a do with a girl, like, do you know what I mean? But
0: oh, my, my God. ego
1: just went, bosh. I was yeah. like, wow, this is it. Yeah, that made it now. But, no, look – that's just a stranger walking through Media City in Manchester. Like, who, kn- wow. who knows who sees it? So,
0: yeah. exactly.
1: There's also a lot of bullshit on there as well. And I, like, I, well, I'm a bit controversial on there because I can see through people if they mm-hmm. want to get likes and comments and stuff. So, yeah, but yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I know because that—that's why I was quite surprised because I do—I do feel LinkedIn is quite stuffy, it's quite stiff neck, you know. It's like corporate, corporate. You're not allowed, yeah. you know. I've—I've I've noticed where people have tried to share more vulnerability, they get attacked. This isn't Facebook, mate. Like, oh yeah, uh, oh, it's and just totally <laughs> it, yeah, it's load of rubbish, isn't it? I think uh, more power to you and. Yeah, uh, I, there needs to be more of us <laughs> out yeah, there no, just keeping it real, yeah. really.
1: and there's, there's loads of people. It's more around the, and this is where it's a little bit niche, really. It's more around the mental health. There's a lot of people pushing about, which is great. Um, but sobriety, male, probably in the 20s, there's not much like it, where mm. people have got sons and daughters my age. Yes. So they read that. You know, I'm friends with people who are older than my mum from LinkedIn. Do you know what I mean? And it's like it's crazy. So, um, yeah, but that and then people always say to me, Do you not put yourself in a position where if you needed to find a job, people wouldn't like that? Well, I said, Well, they're not the right people for me,
0: so. exactly. Yeah, well, what a fantastic attitude. And so, um, talking about that and about the biggest benefit that you've got that you think you've got from sobriety? If you could just choose one, what would that be?
1: Um, I'd love to say weight loss, but it's not. I've put the weight on since I've been sober. And I mean, probably a lot of weight. Like a lot of people, I see a lot of people have lost so much weight and I'm like, yeah, but I see the sugar does it for me. Uh, the biggest thing, the one word to describe it, transparency mm. and probably strength maybe rather than, yeah, probably transparency and how open I am and how actually probably not mature. I've matured a lot.
0: Yeah. Become wise.
1: Yeah. Well, some people would say not, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, like I've totally, yeah. Like in, since becoming sober, I've done like a whole three, I've flipped my life at 180 on its head, literally. Um, a lot wiser and understand more yeah so that's probably the the biggest thing but also being healthier as well but not mm. being healthier weight wise but being just overall healthier getting up and doing things and having a, a nice life where I'm not worrying about hangovers or you know since I've been sober I don't think I've ever worried about going into work on a Monday or or yeah. something like that so that's
0: so it's such a nice feeling isn't it not having yeah. that Monday dread
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: yeah there, phenomenal. Um, Lou, I feel like the time has just absolutely flown in this chat. It's been so refreshing. Great. So refreshing talking to you. Um, what would you say are your top three tips for people that are looking to get sober or that may be in, say, early sobriety, how do they stay on track?
1: Um, I probably, and I'd like this more to if there's listeners like my age or whatever, this would be really good to relate to. is... And probably any age surround yourself with the right people uh, people understand probably care for you um, you show a bit of love um, don't date straight away is something that I would say because a lot of people don't understand why and it's a very difficult conversation to have with someone who might go, "Oh my God you used to have a problem with alcohol and drugs or but yeah um and The third one would probably be early sobriety is don't go into non-alcoholic beverages.
0: Interesting. Okay. And just expand on that so people really understand what you mean.
1: Um, So things like Heineken Zero, Bex Blue, Gin Zero, whatever whatever zeros there are out there, Mm
0: -hmm. I would
1: say avoid straight away. Um it took me probably six months to get into it, just because it's there's still traces of alcohol in there. I get that. Um, but there's trace of alcohol in bananas or whatever. I yeah. Don't know, somewhere. So you, you can't win. Um but I think yeah, that is Do you think massive, they're trigger
0: do you think they're triggering?
1: Yeah. Because yeah. You, it's just now things like Guinness Zero, Heineken Zero, they taste Peroni zero, they all taste the same as mm-hmm. what they did when they had alcohol in it. Yeah, And you would drinking and you're not getting drunk and you're forgetting why you give up. And why you give up was you don't like getting drunk because maybe you made bad decisions. Because some people might want to become sober because they've not got an addiction, but they want a better lifestyle. Mm. They want to have, spend more time with their kids on a Sunday morning going to football with them or whatever. Um, but yeah, there is obviously a lot more alternatives. Probably... Just drink coffee. That's what I did for a long time. Just drink coffee. And I love coffee now. But um, yeah, non-alcoholic like substitutes, I think they're a a no-go zone, especially if you're really battling. Maybe if you just want a healthier lifestyle, fair enough. Um, But yeah, that I would just, yeah, just don't even look at them because the taste is still there. And then your brain's not really fixed to go, well, I'm not getting drunk here or I'm not having a good time. But if you're having non-alcoholic drinks such as Soft drinks, coffee, sugar, uh, whatever, soft drinks, squash, I don't know. You know, you're in that environment. Or yeah. just a little, I know we haven't got much time, but maybe take yourself out of the environments you used to be in. Mm. So, pubs, substitute the pub for long walks.
0: Yeah. Go and, walk,
1: go and take up a new hobby or something. Mm. Uh, because once your mind's fixed off that, you won't really like going to the pub. I went. I go to the pub to be social, but I'm probably the first one out. Yeah. but know, when it's my time, I can go. If everyone's out, I'll just go home at nine o'clock and be like, right, they, they won't question where I've gone anymore or what I'm doing. They'll be like, Luke's going now. Because there has been some times where I've been at events where I could go, God, I could really, I could just take a pill now and just release everything. But I'm think I, I talk to myself and go, why? Mm. What's the point for one? Yeah. One bit of dopamine or one bit of serotonin hit to go right. I'll have this yes. and go. But yeah, that would be the biggest one. Is and I drink a lot of non-alcoholic beers now because I can.
0: Mm. Not
1: just it doesn't make me drunk because I actually quite like the taste of Peroni now. I didn't really like it when I used to drink because it used to get me drunk and make me feel better. But yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah I think that's. But surrounding yourself with the right people yeah. and maybe going to a meeting that might be a good idea because you'll understand very very quickly that maybe you aren't as bad as what you think you are but however you've still got a bit of an issue or you might want to go and just explore different options to to help yourself
0: yeah that's lovely advice I really like that you absolutely yeah have to explore um and gravitate to what you feel is pulling you and be open-minded. And if that means trying a meeting, or you can actually do online ones as well. Yeah. Um, nice. Or um trying to find a WhatsApp group or joining a Facebook group. I joined UK Team UK Sober or Team Sober UK. Um, and, and things like that. And just get involved in conversations. Yeah, that,
1: no, absolutely. Really if you're surrounding yourself with them people, you become them people and you have that personality of people. Like my Instagram handle used to be the sober blogger, and that I only used to blog because it used to help me and I followed so many sober accounts and probably one of yours actually um, and I used to post loads and loads and loads to a stage where I didn't have to do it anymore mm. that was my part of recovery let's say because I was blogging and I, I built a website for it and part of that was keeping my mind off right well I, I'm going to write about this today or I'm going to write about this today mm. rather than go I'm going to go to the boozer or, or something else it's just a, yeah. it's anything to take your mind off drinking which is quite hard especially now we've got the World Cup coming up, pubs are yes. going to get rammed.
0: Yeah, Christmas. Um, Christmas,
1: yeah. yeah. But
0: yeah, but you can do it, right? And you did oh, it. Yeah, if you I, gave honestly, up. If
1: I can stop drinking and stop yeah.
0: food,
1: I believe that anybody can do it
0: because,
1: yes. yeah, I wasn't, you know, you wouldn't class me looking at me like, oh, I, I used to take a lot of drugs or drink a lot, but I did and I, I hid it well probably, so, Yeah.
0: Oh, Luke, where can we find you if we want to follow you? Um,
1: so I've got obviously Instagram, which is lukejames.uk or dot thirteen. I think there's two actually because I changed the name for one of them. One's an old one. So there's lukejames.13 and lukejames.uk. But yeah. I can't remember which one is the one where I post more to an audience rather than friends. Yeah. Um, so one's private, one's not so whatever not one, the not private one is yeah. um, probably if you want to have a look on my blog it's going back up today actually um, because I've not paid the bill for the domain <laughs> um, so yeah, if you want to have a look at that it's the the soberblogger.co.uk um, all my blogs are on there there's a little bit, yeah, it's just me and it goes into more detail about the drugs I used to take the drink I used to take, what I used to do um, An overall lifestyle and LinkedIn as well if you want to follow me on LinkedIn that's probably where I'm most active and get back to you uh, which is just Luke James um, there's probably a lot of Luke James's on there um, mm-hmm. but if you find anything with Luke James sobriety or anything like that it should come up
0: Awesome. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you oh, so much. I really enjoyed much. it. It's like
1: a, a bit of a therapy session yeah. actually. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And it's so different, the dynamic where if you put a microphone in front of somebody, people start opening up. Mm. And even if people get one listener on a podcast and they're feeling better about it, Absolutely. then keep doing it.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, the feedback that seems to be trickling down is that people are really enjoying the show and they're loving the stories of just people like you and I um and I do think it's changing changing lives and that's
1: yeah well if it changes one person yeah exactly if it helps one person then exactly saved a life which is yeah who cares about likes comments and views and exactly like, obviously they're good but vanity metrics yeah they don't mean anything if, if they're making proper changes in people then, yeah, yeah and
0: it right. sounds like you're doing that as well so keep up the fabulous
1: yeah. work. I, I try as much as possible so yeah hopefully
0: oh thank you and thank you everybody for listening catch up next week hi i'm terry instagram's sassy sober mum